And now, for the show reflecting on classic radio, Hollywood 360, with your host, Carl Amari. He was like a god walking amongst mere mortals. He had a voice that could make a wolverine purr, and suits so fine they made Sinatra look like a hobo. Is this your place, Carl? Yeah, what do you think? Really? It's really awful. But I have a lot of things that are on order. You know, credit trouble. Pay more attention to your schoolwork and less to the radio. You always listen to the radio. It's different. Our lives are ruined already. The Whistler. self-destruct in five seconds. Hello, everyone. I'm Carl Amari, and this is Hollywood 360, the radio show that presents all things entertainment, including trivia contests and games, movie reviews, celebrity interviews, showbiz news, and classic radio shows. My co-host is the astonishing Lisa Wolf. In this hour, L. Jolson and guests George Burns and Gracie Allen star in the Kraft Music Hall from 1948. But we're going to start things off with a radio show we've never aired before. We have a bunch of these in our uh, 100,000-plus radio shows. This is called Calling All Detectives. It came to radio in uh, 19... I think it was 1940. 50, no, 1945, and lasted until 1950, five years on the air. And this originated, Lisa, out of the studios of WGN in Chicago. And then it aired across all of the mutual radio networks. At first, it started out with like a little call-in kind of quiz thing, but that um, had to be taken out of the show because it was syndicated. But there was a guy by the name of Paul Barnes. He was like the Mel Blanc of his uh, of the Chicago area. He could do all these voices like Mel Blanc did. In fact, he was nicknamed the man of a thousand voices in Chicago. And he does all the voices on this detective show. It was a two-man operation. It was him and a sound effects technician. And this aired Monday through Friday on WGN Radio and across the whole mutual network. From 10.15 p.m. until 10.30 p.m. Monday through Friday. So can you imagine? 15 minutes yeah, going, into, going the into the studio for 15 minutes. Yeah, to do this show. Uh, this is an episode from 1948, August 31st, A Deadly Game of Golf. He, let's do this in. You're going to like it. It's called Calling All Detectives. Calling All Detectives. Most people consider golf a reasonably mild pastime. But I once had a case where a game of golf killed one person and convicted a second. That is the situation on this page from my casebook. The casebook of Jerry Browning, private detective. There's one thing I, Jerry Browning, private detective, am sure about. You can't play with the idea of murder. It's a losing game. Hank Foster and I were on the practice green at Swanky Silver Oaks Country Club... Waiting our turn at the number one tee. Sorry we have to wait, Jerry. Big turnout today. There was a rumpus going on at the number one tee. Hank scowled. That's R.J. Walker kicking up a fuss again. Every club has one old crab like that. R.J. Walker was a genuine business tycoon. And I don't get to see people like that close up very often. I strolled over to the tee just as... I won't have this kitty. He's stupid, lazy, and steals golf balls. The caddy was a nice-looking youngster. 
at the moment mad clean through. He flung Walker's golf bag on the ground and stalked off. Walker fumed some more, but just then Hank came up to me. Come on, Jerry. The caddy master's signaling. Let's tee off. <clears throat> right from the start, I played poorly. I was pressing. And the harder I tried, the wilder I got. Finally, on the 13th hole, <clears throat> I hit a screaming slice far into the rough. Both the caddy and I prowled the thick undergrowth in the rough. We didn't locate the ball. But we did find the lifeless body of R.J. Walker. Invited to play golf at a swanky country club, I hit a ball into the rough and found the body of wealthy, cantankerous R.J. Walker. Back at the clubhouse, a doctor diagnosed the death as instantaneous and resulting from a sudden severe blow in the head. In my opinion, Mr. Walker was hit by a golf ball. My friend Hank looked at me. So did my caddy. I knew what they were thinking, that it was the ball I hit into the rough that killed Walker. Well, maybe it was. I walked over to the body, took a good look at it. Hey, doctor, come over a second. Look at these skin abrasions and the depth of the wound. If Walker was killed by a golf ball, it must have been shot from a cannon to hit with such force. In my opinion, this was no accident. It was murder. I walked outside and almost ran into the caddy master. He was arguing with a tall man who had a golf bag slung over his shoulder. I'm very sorry, sir, but this is a private club. When the Greens chairman reported that you didn't appear to be sponsored, it was my duty to question you. When I tell you I'm the guest of R.J. Walker, if you'll call him, you'll identify me. Isn't he likely to do that, sir? What is your name? And what didn't Mr. Walker sign you in on the guest book? The tall man set down his golf bag, mopped his brow. This is ridiculous. I'm Roger Powell. I'm in the same business as Mr. Walker, cotton milling. He invited me here to discuss a possible merger of our companies. I joined him at the 11th tee. We played two holes. Then I lost my ball and got separated from him. If you ask him, I know he'll confirm it. The caddy master looked unhappy. I'm sorry, sir. But Mr. Walker is dead. An accident. Powell looked stunned. Then, without another word, picked up his golf bag and slowly walked away. I watched him go. Something about the man puzzled me. The story he'd told was straight enough, but some obscure mental impulse kept nudging me, warning of a false note. And then suddenly I had it. I found my friend Hank Foster in the clubhouse. Hank, do you know a man named Roger Powell? My father knows him. Why? He's outside, getting ready to leave. We've got to stop him. Get him into a game of golf with us. Don't ask questions. Just hurry. We caught up with Powell just as he was about to step into his car. His golf bag was propped against the fender, and I pretended to trip over it. Powell dived for the bag, recovered it, and stood glaring at me. I'm very sorry, sir. Entirely my fault. Powell nodded curtly and started to get into the car again when Hank stepped up. Aren't you Roger Powell? Powell turned. Yes, I am. Why? I'm Hank Foster. My father does a lot of business with your company. Powell gave him a frosty smile. I put my hand on the car door, held it closed. Hank and I heard about your discussion with the caddy master, Mr. Powell. We don't want you to think that folks at Silver Oaks are rude to guests. In fact, we'd like you to play a round of golf with us. 
Powell obviously didn't want to do it, but Hank, taking his cue from me, was insistent. Finally, well, I don't have time for a full round, but if you insist, I'll play a couple of holes. I let off, hit one straight and clean down the fairway, now that I wasn't interested in how well I played. Then Powell teed up, with his bag still swinging from his shoulder. That was strange enough, but when he pulled a number five iron out of the bag... Mr. Powell, you don't really drive with that, do you? Powell was badly flustered. Why, I always thought I'd like to try driving with an, uh, this kind of a club. Hank didn't get it. And with a bag over your shoulder? Powell shook his head, took a wild swing at the ball, and didn't even hit the ground. That's when I stepped up. It's no use, Powell. You can't bluff it. You may as well admit you've never played golf before. I think I'd better see what you've got in that golf bag. He put up a fight, but he didn't have a chance. While Hank held him, I looked through the bag and found the murder weapon. An iron club with a steel ball approximately the size of a golf ball attached to the end of it. He confessed after that. Tough old R.J. Walker had been ruining him. So Powell eliminated the competition. The hard way. After we turned him over to the police, Hank and I finished our game. I was playing rotten again. Now that it counted. Hank watched my hook go into a sand trap. Shook his head. You sure are a terrible player, Jerry. Is that why you suspected Powell couldn't play at all? I smiled, shook my head. Nope. He was wearing ordinary street shoes with a pointed toe. And I figured no golf player, not even the worst duffer, would appear on a course in shoes like that. And that's all there was to it. Aside from the fact that Hank beat me on every hole. Like I said, a lot of people play with the idea of murder. But those who carry it out are generally left. Holding the bag. Listen next time to Calling All Detectives. Mystery drama, mystery quiz, and a chance for you to match wits with yours truly, Jerry Browning, Private Detective. All right, there you have it. Calling All Detectives, August 31st, 1948, a deadly game of golf. Paul Barnes doing all the voices, including Jerry Browning, Private Detective, on that uh, quarter hour broadcast originating from the studios of WGN in Chicago. Back uh, from 1945 through 1950. And I hope you enjoyed that. All right, let's take a quick break. Then it's uh, the first portion of the Craft Music Hall. Stick around. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. And now back to Hollywood 360 with Carl Amari. Craft Music Hall was on the air a long, long time, Lisa. 1933 to 1949. There were different hosts including Bing Crosby and Al Jolson. And on this particular episode, Al Jolson is the host, and he welcomes his guests, George Burns and Gracie Allen. Um, This was a variety show, a comedy variety show. They always had the biggest names on as guests each and every week, sponsored, of course, by Kraft Foods, um, which you know a lot about. Lisa was, um, uh, let's see, you were a advertising executive at Kraft, weren't you? Uh, that was a client of Why didn't ours. you stay there? Um, yeah, I wasn't. Uh, given some, give someone else a chance to be the host Yeah, of the maybe show. in retrospect I should have. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and 
Kraft Philadelphia brand cream cheese was that your... That was my product. And you had never tasted it, right? I don't eat cream cheese. So so she was representing the cream cheese, never no. even tasted it. That's correct. All right. Just <laughs> want to set the record straight. All right. November 4th, 1948. Here's part one of the Kraft Music Hall. Starring Al Jolson with Oscar Levant, Lou Bring and his orchestra and chorus, and our guests, George Burns and Gracie Allen. So keep on looking for a bluebird and listening for its song. Whenever April a shower comes. Good evening, folks. This is Al Jolson of the Kraft Music Hall. Well, for a while, I thought we were going to have a president with a mustache in the White House. And you know, they were so sure in Washington that at the Mint, they were already putting Tom Dewey's head on a penny. (laughs) But I guess the people didn't want a penny with fuzz on it. (laughs) Well, sir, I got to laugh. I got to laugh. Dr. Gallup and Mr. Winchell must feel awful foolish. They kept saying that Dewey was a cinch. But if you happen to have heard this program last Thursday, I tipped you off who the winner would be five days ahead of the election when I sang, I'm Just Wild About Harry, you remember? (laughs) So, now I'm going to give you another tip. I'm going to sing a salute to what will be the 49th state in the Union. Salute, Lou, salute. Down Hawaii away, where a chance to stray. On an evening I heard a hula maiden play. Yaka hula hickey doo la, yaka hula hickey doo. Down Hawaii away, by the moonlit bay. While I lingered a while, she stole my heart away. Yaka hula hickey doo la. Oh, I don't care if you've loved the ladies far and near. You'll forget about them all if you could hear. I'm coming back to you. My hula loo. Beside the sea at Waikiki, you're going to play for me. And once again, you'll sway. My heart away with your yucca hula hickey doola too. I'm coming back to you. My whole life beside the sea at Waikiki, you're going to play for me. And once again, you'll sway my heart away with your yaga hula, hickey doola
like the election? I beg pardon? How'd you like the election? Terrible, Ken. I had to change the whole show around. (laughs) But Oscar LeVan is certainly one happy guy. He knows that Truman won't get a job playing the piano for another four years. Well, tell me, have you heard what Mr. Dewey's plans are now? Yes, Ken, I have. I... In fact, I had a long-distance call from Governor Dewey. Oh? Yeah, but I told him it was no use, no use. I do the singing on this program. (laughs) But honestly, Ken, I really don't know why I haven't heard from President Truman. Why? Did you expect to hear from him? Yes, I did. A couple of weeks ago, I got a note from him. It said, after election, Al, I want you to come to Washington as Secretary of the Treasury. P.S. Bring your own money. Yeah? You can never hold a position like that. What makes you think so, Oscar? Well, to be in the United States cabinet, you have to be a specialist in something. Well, Oscar, I'm a specialist in something. I know, uh, but they don't have a secretary of marriage. (laughs) Now, wait a minute, Oscar. I've heard enough of that for the last 30 or 40 weeks. And for your information, I could have any cabinet post I want. I could even be the Secretary of Agriculture if I knew how to milk a cow. Al, surely you know how to milk a cow. Yeah, but sometimes I get a little confused. I don't know which is hot and which is cold. (laughs) Well, uh, Al, if you could get a cabinet post, I suggest you become Secretary of Labor. Why? You'd have a lot of fun. Fun? What fun could a Secretary of Labor have? Once a year, you could run barefooted through John L. Lewis's eyebrows. Well, tell you something, Oscar, look. If Mr. Dewey was elected, he would have put me in his cabinet because we're pretty good friends. Now, where did you ever know Mr. Dewey? Where did I know him? I was with him when he captured Manila. Ah, but it's all so disappointing. I was so sure I was going to get into politics this year, doggone it. Al? Yeah? You are too sincere and too honest to be in politics. You should remain the great entertainer that you are. You would not be a good politician because you are too frank, too open, and too kind-hearted. Copies of this speech may be obtained by writing directly to the author, Al Jolson. Oscar, look, take your smarty pants and put them on the piano stool, will you? And play Rachmaninoff's second piano concerto.
That's the great Oscar Levant on the uh, piano there. Wow. Wow, that's right. He could tickle the the ivy, as they say. <laughs> right? Ebony and ivory. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll be right back with more of Craft Music Hall. Stick around. If you enjoy classic radio shows like The Lone Ranger, The Shadow, Jack Benny, Gunsmoke, Dragnet, and Suspense, become a member of the Classic Radio Club. Each month, you'll receive 10 half-hour classic radio shows, along with historical liner notes. The 10 shows will be on five CDs or via digital download, whichever you prefer. You'll also receive an email every week with a digital link to the full five-hour Hollywood 360 radio show and the 30-minute Radio Rarities podcast that Lisa Wolf and I co-host. In total, you'll receive 34 classic radio shows per month. Become a Classic Radio Club member at ClassicRadioClub.com or call 815-900-7535 to speak to a live operator. Log on to ClassicRadioClub.com or call 815-900-7535. That's 815-900-7535. Now back to the best in classic radio on Hollywood 360. With a 65-year legacy of delivering the most insightful political commentary in America, National Review is the obvious choice for discerning conservatives who want to go beyond the headlines. From the latest news in Washington in the upcoming Republican primary race to the political, cultural, and economic trends impacting everyday Americans, their hard-hitting analysis is a must-add to your daily reading diet. We love National Review and are excited to have them as a partner because their writers and editors really do dive deeper into the stories than you'll find anywhere else. No talking heads, no clickbait, and none of the sensational coverage you see everywhere else. Hollywood 360 listeners, Lisa, can start reading today with a special 60% discount on any subscription option. You should try out their digital membership, NR+, which includes unlimited access to all their premium content, plus a world of membership perks like monthly calls with movement leaders and commenting privileges on the website. Just go to nationalreview.com slash Hollywood. That's nationalreview.com slash Hollywood to take advantage of this limited time offer. We do love National Review here at Hollywood 360, one of our new sponsors, and we're really proud to have them as a sponsor. All right, we're listening to the Craft Music Hall, as I say, on a long, long time, 1933 to 1949. And then it, uh, it went on television, too. It was on TV from 1949. Uh, I, I should say the radio show ended in 1949, and then it moved to TV in 1958. Um, it replaced the Kraft Television Theater. So Kraft had a television theater on, and then it replaced it. Very popular. Uh, Al Jolson was a host for a long time. Bing Crosby was a host for a long time. And um, they always had guest stars. On this particular episode, George Burns and Gracie Allen make an appearance. So let's go back to November 4th, 1948, for the conclusion to the Kraft Music Hall. Oh, Oscar, did you notice in the paper that in my new picture, Barbara Hale is going to play Mrs. Uh, Jolson? 
They do pile up, don't they? <laughs> Oscar, there's entirely too much kidding about that You're always giving the impression that I've been in love a lot of times Well, I've heard you've been on your knees proposing so many times You've got housemaid's knee <laughs> It just happens, Oscar, that my housemaid has very cute knees <laughs> Al Yeah I notice you always talk about your pictures You never asked me about mine You know I'm in the movies, too And incidentally, in my pictures, they use my face They wouldn't dare look for another like that But Oscar, I did go to your last picture Which one? Kiss the blood off my piano Al Yeah My latest picture is the Barclays of Broadway In which I do another one of those great love scenes Where I don't get the girl Oscar, you never get the girl Maybe there's something wrong with your technique Tell me, what's the scene all about? Well, I'm alone with Ginger Rogers That's bad <laughs> She looks beautiful yeah. Her eyes look deeply into mine mm -hmm. My arms are around her yeah. She leans toward me with a sigh Then what? Then what? Then I sit down and play the saber dance <laughs> Oscar, how can you play the piano with Ginger Rogers in your arms? Strong fingers <laughs> Well, you just caress that keyboard there And let the old master show you How to handle a romantic situation Shine on Shine on a harvest moon Up in the sky I had no loving since April January, June or July Snow time Ain't no time to stay Outside and spoon So shine on Shine on a harvest moon For me and my girl Excuse me a minute, Al. Sure. Oscar, what are you doing? I just happen to remember, those are some notes I left out of the number I played. <laughs> Not many artists would be yeah. that humble, you know. I know. Neither you should have played I. those notes and left out the number. <laughs> now, will you excuse me, Oscar, please? I dreamed I dwelled in a marble halls What are the rates there? <laughs> Oscar, please, don't talk while I'm singing You know, it isn't every day you can hear Al Jolson sing I hope they don't change that <laughs> Oscar, if that's the way you feel about it, you can pack up your piano and go Oh, Mr. Bring? Yeah <laughs> Nice writing <clears throat> There was an idea. <laughs> uh, Mr. Bring, will you join me, please? Al, Al, yeah. Al. Please don't leave me out. I, I know that sometimes I unintentionally blurt out something nasty that I laid awake the night before thinking up. 
but I want to play for you more than anything. Please, Al, please. Oscar, dry your tears. My feet are getting wet. <laughs> Go ahead and play, Oscar, please. I left my darling The other day We started quarreling I went away But now I wish That I was back I love my baby Indeed I do And who knows maybe She loves me too But that just may be And that won't do all that worries me is someone else may be there while I'm gone. In my dreams I see a couple spooning on the lawn. That very thought just keeps me worried. I lay awake till the break of the dawn. I must hurry back, cause someone else may be there while I'm me, George Burns. This is your big chance. While we're here in the Kraft Music Hall, I want you to show off your voice. But, Gracie, it wouldn't be nice for me to sing. After all, it's, it's Al Jolson's program. George, there's only one thing that kept you from being a successful singer like Jolson. What was that? You, you didn't want to spoil the crease in the knees of your pants. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's always held me back. I'm, uh, I'm too neat. Well, tonight be sloppy and sing. I can't insult a close friend. Why, Al and I often go out to the club and get marinated from the same herring. George, you're going to sing or my name isn't Dorothy McGregor. Your name isn't Dorothy McGregor. Then you're going to sing. Gracie, has it ever, ever occurred to you that maybe Al wouldn't let me sing? Oh, I'll take care of that. I'll speak to the head man himself. Oh, Mr. Levant. <laughs> Gracie, Mr. Levant is not the head man. Well, why not? He's got a head. Hello, Gracie. Hello, George. Uh, Mr. Levant, let's not beat around the bush. Why do you say that? Well, you look like you've been beaten around the bush. <laughs> 
Honesty, let's not bother Oscar. You keep out of this, George. This concerns you. <laughs> I should have stuck to my dancing act. Uh, Mr. Levant, don't you think that George sings better than Al Jolson? Yes. How can you say that? Well, after working with Jolson as long as I have, it's easy to say. <laughs> Mr. Levant, I want George to sing on this program Well, the only way to do that is to stop Jolson from singing And that isn't easy He's long-winded <laughs> Have you got any ideas how we could stop him? Well, I've considered many ways But I dropped them on the advice of my attorneys <laughs> Well, I think we, uh, if we work together on this uh, We can have George running the music hall Gracie, we happen to have our own program We'd combine them uh, we could take the Kraft Swiss cheese and fill the holes with Maxwell House coffee. I don't know who has the brains in your family, but you ought to get them back. Oh, that's sweet. George, why don't you ever say nice things to me? I'm working on something. Listen, Gracie, let's give up the idea of me singing. You wouldn't have a chance anyway. When Jolson sees you, he'll say, Hello, George. Hello, Gracie. Huh? Sit down and <laughs> I'll sing you a half a dozen songs. <laughs> oh, Al is not like that. Yes, he is. The second thing he'll say will be, I know you want to have me sing because <laughs> I'm the world's greatest entertainer. <laughs> but Al's not that kind of a guy. Shh. Here he comes. Hello, George. Hello, Gracie. Sit down, I'll sing you half a dozen songs. <laughs> okay, Al. I know you want to hear me sing because, ha-ha, <laughs> I'm the world's greatest entertainer. See, I told you he'd brag. That's enough out of you, Oscar. Go sit down. I'm tired of the way you talk to me. If I had your money, I wouldn't work with you. <laughs> People ought to think twice before they give their kids piano lessons. <laughs> oh, uh, now's your chance, Sugar Throat. Go ahead and sing. Gracie, I can't do it. George, are you a man or a mouse? I'm a mouse. <laughs> then squeak through the song. <laughs> George, do you really want to sing? About 30 songs. Well, you, you've, got, you've just got to hear him. George is very sincere when he sings You've heard Nelson Eddy sing Shortening Bread? Oh, sure Well, when George sings it, you can actually smell it <laughs> George, why, why does Gracie want you to be a singer? Does she think that's some time to make a picture of your life? Hmm? They might at that If uh, you could ever get through with Larry Parks <laughs> George, you don't need Larry Parks I could play you in a picture you play me? Yes, who'd know the difference? We're married <laughs> Why don't you stop kidding? You can't sing, George Well, of course I don't have a voice like yours, Al It's a different type of voice Yeah Younger <laughs> Look, this, this whole thing would just take a minute Mr. Jolson, you sit down and listen to George Now I promise you that you'll have shivers running up and down your spine I have them now it's drafty in here Look, Gracie If George is such a good singer Why isn't he singing on your program? <laughs> oh, you're cute <laughs> Listen, George We've been friends a long time Why, our friendship started way back On that day many years ago When you held me on your knee 
I held you on my knee? Well, there may be a little uh, juxtaposition there. Yes. <laughs> anyway, George, you know I think a lot of you, and I admit you've got a good voice, a very good voice, but something happens to it as it passes your tonsils. <laughs> George, he's just trying to talk you out of singing. He's jealous. Jealous? Mm. Name one singer that's better than I am. Dick Haynes, Perry Como, Jack Smith, Bing Crosby. I told you, just one. <laughs> George, whether Jolson lets you or not, go ahead and sing. But, Gracie, it isn't cricket. George, I'm not asking you to rub your legs together. Just sing. <laughs> okay. From time to time in every climb, blessings come from above. <laughs> To hey, someone that, that's pretty good. That's pretty, let me hear. Let me hear that last note again. Your blessings come up above. Let me hear that again, will you? From time to time, in every climb, blessings come Crazy. from above. This guy really has got it, you know. <laughs> what did I tell you? He's the nearest thing to Peggy Lee I've heard in years. <laughs> Don't mind it, Josh. Come on, bend that note again. Keep going, will you? From time to time, in every climb, blessings come oh, from Crazy. above. Oh, Gracie, he's got a great voice, but that's sure? not the right song for him, you know. Look, do you mind if I if I, I just no go right ahead, George. Keep from singing, George. Time to time and he every time, blessings more modern, come like this, you know. Well, like this, you know. Summer name. Put on your rose gray bonnet with the blue ribbons on it, and we'll hitch old Dobbin to the shay. Through the fields of clover, we'll ride up to Dover on our good Dover. On our good Dover, on our golden day. Oh, Joey, you were wonderful. From time to time and every climb, George, blessings George, come George, from above. George, not now. We haven't got time. Come on, George. George, George, we haven't got time. Love is a difficult thing to measure, but here Irving Berlin attempts to do so with a beautiful song. How much do I love you? I'll tell you no lie. How deep is the ocean? How high the sky? How many times a day do I think of you? How many roses are sprinkled with dew? How far would I travel to be where you are? How far is the journey? From here to a star And if I ever lost you How much would I cry How deep is the ocean How high is the sky How far would I travel Oh, and if I ever lost 
much would I cry How deep is the ocean How high is the sky Guest next week, George Jesse. Good night, everybody. This is NBC, the national broadcasting company. All right, that is the Craft Music Hall, November 4th, 1948. That's an NBC production. And uh, George Burns, Gracie Allen as special guest. With Al Jolson starring, also in that cast, you had Lou Bring and his orchestra, with uh, Oscar Levant on the piano, and Ken Carpenter doing the announcing, sponsored by Kraft Foods. And, uh, yeah, I'm going to bring Lisa some Philadelphia brand cream cheese next week so she can she can taste uh, how great it is. Put it on a cracker or something like that. Bring some bagels. Yeah, some bagels. Sounds good. All right, time for Sarah's Backstage Pass. Hi, Carl, and hello to all our listeners out there. Tonight, I'm going to review the award-winning TV series, The Bear. It's rated TVMA, which means for mature audiences, and it's streaming on Hulu. The series stars Jeremy Allen White as The Bear. He's a top chef who returns home to Chicago to help in his deceased brother's Italian beef sandwich shop. The restaurant in the series is based on Mr. Beef in Chicago's River North neighborhood. Don't wipe your hands on your apron, Chef. Jeff, I refer to everybody as Chef because it's a sign of respect. You could throw down, huh? So how you go past the family test? Delicious or impressive? Delicious is impressive. Right. Yo, family's up. I just never had platanos with, like, grass on it. <laughs> the creator, director, and writer of the show is Christopher Storer. We want to change this restaurant, right? But we have to change the chemistry. Chicago. Man, why are you always, like, watching me? Because it's just sort of my job. We're in a chili flakes. Because it organizes, it's more confusing. Right there. Label chili flakes. This is a delicate ecosystem, and it's held together by a shared history and love. I have every intention of turning this into a respectable place of business. The bottom line, I'm way in. Three and a half stars out of four. The realism of all of the chefs working together in a kitchen has never been more true to life. I sat with the actors during the Critics' Choice Awards and spoke with the cast. They were so excited for season two, which will be filming soon. This is Sarah Knight Adamson, your film and TV critic for Sarah's Backstage Pass, where you can find my reviews and interviews. I'll see you next week. Be sure to check out The Bear Season 1, streaming now on Hulu. Now back to the best in classic radio on Hollywood 360. Well, in our next hour, Guy Madison stars as Wild Bill Hickok from 1953 Good Western Adventure. And uh, Lisa Wolf Dillon is our lyricist for Learning the Lyrics. That's right. We're on the letter J, so these are all songs that begin with the letter J. Flash. Is that the title? How about that one? Yeah, it's not one I chose. It's not one? That's uh, a good jumping thing. Jumping Jack Flash. It's a gas, right. gas, gas. All right, we'll see you soon. <laughs>
Hi, everyone. This is Meredith from the Senior Fitness with Meredith podcast, where I discuss all things for seniors. From fitness, your health and wellness journeys, how to be all over strong and beyond. I also have my mini podcast called Motivation with Meredith. It's a great, quick, motivational pick-me-up for your days. Join me. Listen now. Search for Senior Fitness with Meredith on your favorite podcast platform.